So as we kind of hear about the fallout be, uh, between the Prime Minister's office and Jody Wilson-Raybould, some are asking, you know, what other cases might the Trudeau government be playing with? And there appears to be another case. This one involving uh, a situation related to national security and intelligence, and it includes an alleged payout without process of $31.5 million that went to three men alleged to be linked to terror. Tom Quiggin is a former military intelligence officer, a former intelligence contractor for the RCMP, and also a court-appointed expert on jihadist terrorism. And he uh, joins us now with this discovery. All right, Tom, you have been working on something, and it won't necessarily get a lot of headlines, I don't think, but it certainly speaks to what we are hearing about now, and that is the question, you know, what other cases might Trudeau have been uh, playing with? And you say there are some. Well, it's interesting, Alex. Uh, Over the past few years, we're seeing almost a pattern of interference in judicial affairs by the government of Canada. And in this case, by government of Canada, I mean the prime minister's office. One of those cases is particularly interesting. Canadians may remember three individuals by the name of Al-Malki, Al-Mahdi, and Nuriyadin. These three fellows wound up in Syria uh, for, a num- for a period of time between 2001 and 2003, uh, and they were allegedly tortured, they were held without charges, and all sorts of horrible things happened to them. When they got back to Canada, there was eventually a hearing, there was an investigation. Mr. Ayabuchi had a commission of inquiry and actually stated that officials of the government of Canada were indirectly responsible for their detention. These three fellows eventually sued the government of Canada for a $100 million case, claiming they'd been tortured because of the government of Canada. Now, interestingly, the RCMP set up a project, which they ran for about six years, to thoroughly investigate everything in this. Uh, They went to a whole lot of other countries. They got intelligence. They got evidence. They went to the commissioner of the RCMP where the investigation was finished. The RCMP commissioner approved it. They then took the case to uh, Minister Goodale, who was public safety minister, ergo responsible for the RCMP. And after some back-and-forth discussions, Mr. Goodale, the public safety minister, agreed that the case should move ahead. It should go to trial. So depositions occurred, the disclosure of documents occurred, the whole process was going. And then all of a sudden, just as the trial should have been starting, the entire process ground to a halt because PMO stopped it for no apparent reason. So instead of Canadians getting to see the product of six years of investigation and a trial, what they saw instead was the government of Canada handing these guys $31.5 million, which is alleged to be $10.5 million each, although that's not entirely clear. And we never get to understand what actually happened, nor do we know why PMO intervened in this case. So the current case... But what would be the motivation then? What would be the motivation for the government to, to, to meddle here? Well, I mean, one of the things is, if you look at Prime Minister Trudeau, right from when he was elected as a member of Parliament in 2008 to the present, he's been a very strong supporter of the Islamist cause. I mean, he's he's told Canadians that we're Islamophobic because we don't want ISIS fighters to return. Uh, he has constantly gone to a variety of mosques and organizations which have incredibly extreme views, and he has supported them. And I think what may have happened in all of this is some of the material that came out may not have reflected 
acted well in this sort of position. Now, just to be clear, I should say this, that there is no indication whatsoever, nothing I've seen that suggests the lawyers for these three men were involved in anything improper. They weren't lobbying the PMO or anything like that. The, the lawyers involved representing these individuals acted correctly, as far as I could tell. Uh, you may choose to like or dislike their client, their clients, but that's fine. I mean, that's how our system works, is lawyers sometimes represent unpopular people. All of the problems here seem to lie within PMO once again. So we've had the Bushy case where, the you know, the PMO intervened and said, you know, we're going to change the jury system to get better outcomes. We've had the case with the justice minister. And then we had the case with Omar Cotter following this one. Um, where they paid him $10.5 million and said, you know, they had to do it, but yet never actually gave a reason for doing it because they they weren't under any political pressure or judicial pressure or international pressure to make that payment. Right. So, yeah, unfortunately, it appears there is a pattern of this kind of interference coming out of the PMO. Okay. And so bring me um, the connection to Justice Minister, former Justice Minister Jody Wilson-Raybould. Would the would the allegation be that, that she was, again, approached by the Prime Minister's office to somehow remediate this instead of get it to trial? It is incredibly hard to tell, but when you put all the pieces up on a wall and then try and connect the dots to see what did or didn't happen, and it's a form of black box analysis when you do this kind of thing, it's kind of difficult, but would appear that at this point that the judicial system was on track to carry out prosecutions against SNC-Lavalin for corruption. And this isn't exactly a surprise. People have been following this stuff back. I mean, I was sort of peripherally involved in some of this junk back in 2010. Uh, so it's been known for years SNC-Lavalin is one of the world's most crooked company. Right. And even in the even the World Bank has come out and put SNC-Lavalin as number one in terms of global corruption. It's a real issue. But what it appears is SNC was looking for a deferred prosecution. No, no, I, I get all were, that. But but yeah. would, would Jody Wilson-Raybould be involved in quashing the case that you're re- you're referring to i think what they're doing is they were trying to get her as the attorney general and she is also if you think about it in in sort of a way she's like the chief prosecuting lawyer of canada as well uh in this case they were trying to get her to get that prosecution shut down and stopped or to go into the deferred prosecution to kick the can down the road it would appear Uh, that in this case, she either dug in her heels or was following the advice of her own prosecutors, and this is when she ran afoul of Prime Minister Trudeau, who's absolutely desperate to keep uh, the whole SNC thing on side. Right, and and there's no question, without question, this will all come out, and she will at some point speak, or someone in her office will speak, Um, and I think it'll be fascinating to see, you know, where, or because I think this has been my question, how often is this happening, and are they... You know, is there a pattern of the Trudeau government interfering with current and ongoing court cases? And we've got the Mark Norman affair, uh, which if that thing gets derailed, um, that is a real travesty to what they've done to that man's life and his career and his reputation. But you've got the SNC that the case now you bring to our attention. Um, and then I go back to the Danforth case. Are, are, is the government of Canada, I want to know, are they getting involved in trying to silence uh, headlines and create narratives that don't exist for political gain? Yes, I think if when, when you 
from a point of view of intelligence analysis, or even if you're going into court to give evidence, when a single event occurs, and in this case, it's the demise of a justice minister, one of the ways you can bolster your position is to say, look, it's not just this one case that happened. This is a pattern of events. And then you locate that particular event on a timeline and show there's an entire pattern. So, I mean, if I was involved in this investigation, you know, uh, with reference to the justice minister, the first thing I would do is show all the rest of right. the interference, when it occurred, how it occurred, and say, look, this is part of a pattern. This is not a one-off event. Ergo, this case is quite strong because of the pattern. With reference to the Danforth case, I think it's pretty clear to most people who know the civil service in Ottawa and throughout the rest of the country that the system has become hyper-politicized and that everything from, you know, chiefs of police of uh, cities like Toronto and Ottawa right over to the commissioner of the RCMP um, are driven very much by looking ahead of them at the job they're supposed to be doing, but looking behind them uh, as to what would PMO, what would Prime Minister Trudeau, and more importantly, what would Gerard Butts think about what they're doing. So unfortunately, yeah, we've had this politicization occur in a number of events. The Danforth shooting has a number of questions surrounding it which haven't been answered. The Parliament Hill vehicle attack of last August has been silenced. The recent terrorism arrest in Kingston was in the news for like a day or two before it was silenced as well. And yeah, again, so this fits a much larger pattern where we see that every time something occurs that relates to Islamism or terrorism or something like that, there is an incredible amount of pressure to drive it and silence it very quickly. And by the way, this isn't just in Canada. This is occurring in Europe as well. There's yeah. a problem there. I don't care the what Europe- they. I don't care what they do in Europe. I care what they do in Canada. This is not how my country should run. But just before I let you go, because I'm running up against the wall, when is the RCMB going to get off its ass and start looking at the totality of this and actually say, look, we, we have to look into this? Tough question. I would guess, and this is a guess on my part, having worked for the RCMP in the National Security Section for a while, there's probably a number of folks over at the RCMP who are very quietly watching all this and sort of collecting a certain amount of evidence and putting together timelines. What's actually missing, of course, is someone has to file a complaint. Somebody actually has to go to the RCMP and say, hey, you guys, here's an issue it needs to be investigated. Let's get going. Well, and of course, no, no time. <laughs> no one better than you, Tom, or me. Can anybody do that? Well, here's the interesting thing. I've been involved in this. The RCMP must investigate by law anytime a citizen raises allegations of a criminal act occurring. Now, the degree to which they investigate it, how much energy they put into it, is driven very much by the specificity of the evidence provided by the person complaining. Uh, so if a group of lawyers or a group of concerned citizens was able to put together uh, a will say, or let's say, a, you know, like a two-page briefing note that says, we believe that a criminal act has occurred because of this, 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 and it occurred at that time. That would put the commissioner of the RCMP in a very difficult position where uh, she would either have to say, yes, we'll launch an investigation, or, you know, no, we've chosen not to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Gee. Well, there's nothing to see here. Hey, look, I've got to go because I'm up against the, uh, the clock on this thing, but we'll keep on touch. Uh, we're in for some fascinating times. Cheers. Thanks very much, Alex. Tom, thank you. Tom Quiggin joining us tonight on Point. I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.